1: Welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson.
2: And me, Ben Hobson.
1: Today we're talking with Tom Craggs about 80-20 training on low mileage. Ooh, technical.
2: What a fantastic combination of knowledge we're going to deliver to everyone. Our knowledge, Rick, which is just phenomenal, and then topped up with a little bit of knowledge from old Craggsy.
1: I think that Tom Craggs is almost um, meriting his own jingle. He's he's, our, he's our go-to expert, isn't he? And I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on this one. It's so, been a while, think, Rick. He's our, he's our guy, isn't he? It's been a while. It's um, been a while
2: since we had a I new j- jingle. I
1: think he, he needs his own one. Yeah, it is. And I I'm,
2: um, maybe out of time. Fr- friend of the podcast and um, our, a man who has his own jingle, Kieran Algar, uh, is currently running the Danube. And I have started, I thought, but we should do a, a jingle for him because Danube rhymes with YouTube, and that was enough for me Perfect. to just to go with it's it. Destiny. So it's destiny.
1: It's destiny. So <laughs> you know there could be an influx of new jingles. Hold tight, everyone. This is this is huge. Hold tight. Stick around. <laughs> Stick around. Hey, uh, let's let's do some hard news. People come here for hard news. Um, That's true. I'm told. So mm-hmm. um, Western States 100. Um, if you're going to ask me, Ben, uh, you can do one ultra marathon uh, before you die. Uh, it would yes. be Western States 100. Oh, is it a, a classic? I think mm. so. I think it would be for me. Um, interesting. And there were wins on the weekend for uh, Roofcroft and Adam Peterman. uh Yeah, really, really, really good racing over there. Like amazing conditions. It's always quite warm, actually. um And yeah, and then the British champs. There were some upsets. So uh, both the men's and women's 100 meters. Uh, Azu won the men's, and Nita won the uh, 100 meters. And neither, neither would, would be favourites going into that. So yeah, some quite interesting racing going on. And someone on our own team, Ben's been been running as well.
2: Oh, Runners World's own Howard Calvert finished, completed, decimated, let's say, um, the uh, Lavarado, Lavr- Lavarudo, Labradoodle, the big r- ultra running race in the in the Dolomites, which is incredibly hard. That's what Howard did at the weekend. So huge props to Howard because that, that was a beast. I've seen a picture of him. I've seen a picture of him at the end and he looks done. So yeah. <laughs> Congratulations! Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's
1: meant to be beautiful, but extremely difficult. Um, a little bit of science, as well, because the, the other reason people come to run into a podcast is for cutting edge science. Um, famously, and this is about this is about arm swing. So oh, I'm other interested. Than like we, 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 yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are like we kind of obsessed about stuff like cadence and and our stride. But I think arm swing is something that people think about as well. But anyway, this is this is quite an interesting study. So it said a new study came up with some surprising results about how important arm swing is it to running. And essentially, the researchers looked at um sprint speed and how much it was affected by arm swing and they did that by people running normally for 30 metres or people having no arm swing at all and actually it didn't really make much difference to speed it was only 1.6% so right. not a lot Um and uh, an older study focused on arm swings effect on endurance running and found that um using no arm swing at all increased energy consumption by 3% which again is probably surprisingly little given yeah. that it's you know it's a kind of big part of your body Um so the conclusion keep swinging your arms Ben don't stop swinging your arms of course don't do that it's madness but um maybe don't obsess about it either because it doesn't actually seem to make that much difference. So I think to maybe people who go around trying to really change their arm carriage, your arm swing, actually might be better off concentrating on something else.
2: I I I would like to talk to someone. I, I think that that's if you've got a very, by like a symmetrical arm swing. I think if you're like lopsided, then it makes a massive difference because then you throw the whole of the like kinetic chain off if you're moving differently like that. Like because... I I, Off off the back of having um, uh, my dodgy shoulder, um, my right arm, I've noticed I swing it less. And I've noticed that then that transfers, you get like a twisting. Obviously, there's like less twisting from one side of the body. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm obsessed with arm swing now that you've brought (laughs) it up, but I do consider it quite a lot. Because of my lopsidedness, <laughs> so it's a, it's an interesting study. I like it. I'm going to say that I half believe it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. and no, I think that's. I mean, I think with all these studies, they are like they're not to be taken as gospel. Sometimes, you know, and I think, yeah, one thing that I I reckon people should do is, yeah, look at your own body first and what's your own experience. And just because this, this has come out of, you know, a reputable. Just um, because it's come up with a reputable scientist. Gait and posture journal and the Journal of Experimental Biology. But sure, yeah, you disagree with it. Yeah, maybe, you're, maybe, I maybe don't disagree with um, it. I
2: just, you know, I, just, I, I reckon that they tested everyone who swung their arms perfectly in symmetry.
1: Well, that's it. Like, how big are these, these, these studies? And they are rarely, you know, extremely big. Anyway, so that, that's there. Anyway. Anyway, um, I, thanks for some science, check.
2: Rick. And either way, I appreciated your dose of science
1: thank you um so eighty twenty 20 training so obviously tom tom is the expert on this he's gonna have his own jingle soon um <laughs> but i think it's an interesting one uh tom's gonna to give us an overview of what 80 20 training is but a lot of people will be familiar with it kind of the idea that it's slightly polarized training 80 percent being easy 20 percent being uh more difficult yep. and i'm slightly of the opinion before sort of talking with tom anyway that like that it's something that makes a lot of sense if you're running loads of miles. So say you're running like 60 miles a week, yeah. and you're like, okay, 20 percent of of 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be found out here. Hold on. Let's say it's let's. What is it? Um, <laughs> oh, don't ask me. 12. Oh God, it's about 12. I'm, I'm really. 12 don't come near me with this one. Because 12 miles of of quality hard work is quite a lot, isn't it? That's probably like. Two at least two sessions like a big interval session and yeah. a pretty big te- like tempo run as yeah. well so kind of thing 20% you don't really want to be doing more quality than that that's 12 miles a week but when you get down to stuff like 20 miles a week which some people in some corners of running people start getting sniffy about this and say oh well you should just do more running but it's not always a simple
2: no 20 i mean it's still simple. 20 is still a considerable amount of running totally yeah yeah You're yeah, going yeah. Out
1: at least three times a week i think to do 20 miles a week. Four to, um, i
2: mean that's that's four lots of five rick there's some maths for you five miles is, is nothing to scoff at you know in terms of
1: no yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a completely legitimate amount of running to do a week as is any amount but like um I think often it can be looked at and said, "Oh, um, like, as in, oh, you should just try and run more." But actually, oh, yeah, often yeah. The, the reason for people not running is like could be an injury thing. Could be like, when I run more than this, I actually get a bit injured, so I yeah, need yeah. to actually only run three or four times a week. Um, and I want to get the and I and I still want to be good. I still want to yeah. like get the most out of myself with that. It's not like I'm just like going out jogging twice a week and I don't really care. I I want to I want to set PBs, but yeah. I want to do, without putting in loads of miles and I, I think that's why this is such a big google term is because like there are competitive people who can't put in huge mileage and want to work out the how they should best um tackle use those miles and T yeah, yeah. 20 really for them yeah
2: well there we go but thank yeah i mean it's so, it's, it's yeah. a good it's a good topic i like it a lot i would put myself in the camp of people who doesn't i don't thrive on big miles I don't feel I don't yeah. you know doesn't there's, a, there's definitely a switching point for me where I just end up battering myself rather than feeling like I'm getting better and faster all the time so yeah I'm, uh, I'm glad that we got Tom on to facilitate my own interests
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. hopefully people enjoy it so I think let's, let's get um, let's get Tom on Guest of the Week
0: here in the studio Guest of the
1: Week sometimes on the phone could be an athlete Park, complete our guest this week is england athletics road running manager and a coach to many of the uk's top runners he's also rw's training columnist whose monthly column personal best offers expert advice on how people can train smarter to get more from their running so tom craig welcome back to the runners world podcast great to chat
3: to you again guys i hope you're both uh, hope you're both well um interesting topic this time around
1: yes yeah, so can we just start off by um anyone who's sort of unfamiliar with 8020? Um, what do we mean when that, when we say eighty twenty uh, endurance training?
3: Yeah, so um, I think probably one of the things, even if you're relatively new to running, that you might um, be familiar with coaches recommending for you to do is to perhaps keep your, your easy running a little bit easier and perhaps look to run some of your harder sessions as a result a little bit harder or in a little bit more of a focused way. Um, and, and really the premise of... Of 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 um is really kind of consolidating those principles in into not I wouldn't call it a formula as such but it, essentially um, it it's a training approach that is um, based around some research from a an exercise physiologist called Stephen Seiler whose research looked at um, some of the best Kenyan athletes and he's done many many. Bits of kind of leading research in endurance over the years. But one of the key bits of research was looking at how do these Kenyan athletes train? And his research seems to suggest that those athletes spent a comparatively large amount of time training at much lower intensities than perhaps the rest of us do. Um, and then only a smaller portion of their time training at harder intensities. Um, and so the way that Sila um, thinks about it, and it, and um, sorry light, a light bulb was just burst in my yeah, very it dramatic incredible. it was just very was i wanted you keep that in yeah. um it was very yeah. exciting and um, i i'm i'm still here though um but sadly the lights Gosh, have gone out yeah. um so um but, but, but so silas research was um um gathered together in, i guess in, in sort of a digestible format by a guy called who many of you may know called matt fitzgerald who's um Whose, whose books and kind of articles around what are called 80-20 training are, are kind of quite digestible and, and probably a, a good read. But essentially, if you think about your training in in three different kind of, for one of a better word, buckets, you've got your easy bucket, you've kind of got your middle bucket, and you've got your harder bucket. Now, there are various um, physiological kind of what we might call thresholds that sit between those buckets, but don't worry about it too much. What eighty twenty 20 is encouraging you to do is to put a little bit more running in the first bucket, a small percentage of your running in the, the third bucket and skip out or do less in that kind of middle bucket. So doing less steady training um, and a little bit more easy training um, and a little bit of harder training. So it's what we call polarized training, if you like. So if you think pushing your run into either end of the spectrum most of us are probably, I say guilty, it's not guilty and we'll probably come on to it, but most of us probably do quite a lot in that middle bucket. with steady, not quite hard, not quite easy. Um, so it's really 80-20, 80% of you running there or thereabouts done in that easy area, um, 20% done in that harder area. Range of different kind of measurements, physiological kind of measurements we can use to detect whether you're in that right place, but that's the essential premise. Lots of easy training, small percentage of hard training, not much in the middle.
2: Are you are you an advocate of this of this approach, Tom?
3: Um, like all things, and like whenever we chat, I have the annoying answer of it depends. Um and I'm 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 very I'm always really nervous about anything that is packaged up, and it's is no criticism of been involved, because because all of the people who kind of there were good there was a good basis why advocates of 8020 are advocates of it and um, but I'm always nervous around you know ultimately you are an individual and your running is individual to you your athletic background your individual biology and of course the goals that you're training for are individual to you um, and so I would unquestionably say yes for a percentage of runners I've definitely seen that they do probably a lot in that kind of steady area they're not comfortable with running easy they can't they struggle with that whether it's something to do with the mechanics whether it's just cuz they can't restrain themselves and they kind of end up pushing a bit harder on their easy days and then that compromises their hard days so is it i don't think it's a bad sort of principle to be aware of rather than a rule to follow i think that's what i'd say and the reason the reason why i say that is there are certain circumstances where i will actively encourage runners to do training in the middle so if you're a slightly quicker, say, marathon runner, your race day pace is probably going to sit right in the middle. It's not going to be at either end of the spectrum. And so, you know, for me, there is some value in you doing some race pace running. Um, and if, if we believe that, then essentially we, we're kind of already starting to, to push against a little bit, that 80 to 20 approach. So I'd say don't treat it, it as a rule um but it's not a bad starting principle to come from the only other thing i would say and this is this comes down to i guess some um we could get very academic about it um but there is it's just i would say it's a little bit of a myth that w- we can really kind of clearly define those three buckets as clearly as sometimes they are advertised to be you know bucket 1 does this bucket 2 does this bucket 3 does this well actually bodies aren't like that it's a, it's a, it's a kind of it's a scale it's like a sliding scale and and the and the boundaries between those buckets are permeable um obviously because if you if you go out the door now and you start jogging easy and you want to in 10 or 15 minutes time get up to 5k type pace you're going to you're not going to go from bucket 1 to bucket 3 you're going to progress on through those buckets, aren't you? <laughs> so it's, it's a bit of a myth to kind of, you will always do some training in that middle zone. Whatever happens, you always will. And for some people you probably need to do a bit less in there. In fact, actually, probably for quite a lot of people, you need to do a little bit less that facilitates other things to happen. You could do a bit more training without getting injured. Um, you could get more out of your harder sessions and there are a range of really good physiological things that happen when we train easy, basically. And some runners miss out on them because they just don't do enough easy running, basically.
1: I think it seems like a a, um, a philosophy, as you said, that was kind of born out of looking at how elites trained. And obviously, elites, compared to recreational to have very high mileage does 8020 really work with someone who's covering let's say quite low mileage so let's say, let's go right down to sort of 20 miles a week so someone who's running three or four times following that formula i'm not very good at maths but i think they, they could only do four miles of, of hard running if you did 20 miles a week um which feels like probably one quality session do you, do you think actually that this 8020 model doesn't really actually work under a certain threshold or actually is that about right i think
3: i think what becomes what what we have to do is then start to treat it with a little bit more of a, not a pinch of salt, but just be more aware of what it's trying to do. Rather than getting fixated on the numbers, what are the principles of eighty twenty 20 trying to get us to do? Um, and that is firstly to recognise that actually the foundation of your training and the foundation of your fitness is, is carved out of, that, of those easy, um, that easy time on feet. The the way that we build capillary density, we 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 get um, uh, we we build our mitochondria in our cells and and kind of make them more efficient. Um, all of these things happen, or not all of them, but a lot of these things happen when we train at lower intensities, and and that's the foundation. That's the foundation of it. It's like build yourself this platform of easy running. Without that, the harder sessions, a are perhaps not going to give you as much value as you want them to do, because ultimately for most of us, unless we're competing over very short distances, our sport is what we call an aerobic sport. So actually the the adaptations that happen at those easy um, paces are the ones that we kind of really need when we race. Um, But B, ultimately, what probably most of us find is that if we do more at that easy end, and we avoid or we don't spend as much time in a steady middle area, we get injured less. We, we don't create as much like cumulative fatigue. And so we end up going to our harder sessions, a bit fresher, a bit stronger. We arrive at our races a little bit more energized. So I think take, even if you're on lower mileage, those principles are still important. And probably I still think, so let's say you're running four times a week. Let's, let's, let's kind of, let's break this down a little bit. If you're running four times a week, yeah, I'd say probably three of those need to be easy and one of them needs to be a bit harder. So that gets us to 25%. And assuming that one of your easier runs is probably a bit of a longer run, we're, we're kind of there or thereabouts, 80-20 already. So for me, I, I still think that there are reasonable principles to take, albeit you, probably have, you, can, you you're going to be less tight about the numbers because there's going to be, ultimately, if you do a slightly bigger hard session... you do, say, a tempo run instead of an interval session, well, maybe you're going to start to go a little bit above 20%. But I think if you've always got in your mind, actually, what is the thing here ultimately that's going to build me fitness? And this is, I think, a really important principle to take is that your hard sessions, you you can't get away with training poorly with your easy runs by just adding in more hard sessions so yes we're time poor we struggle for time um, to get training in three or four runs a week is perhaps realistic for a lot of us we can't be running 100 110 120 miles a week like some of the athletes do um and so you know, yes, we need to be realistic about that, and yet at the same time, just because we can't do that volume, doesn't necessarily mean we we can get all of those fitness adaptations by just doing more hard sessions. It doesn't work like that. We're getting slightly different physiological adaptations when we work hard compared to easy. And so, what I'd say is, actually, if you're struggling to think, well, how do I fit into this eighty to twenty principle because I'm training. I'm not training very much. Well, probably what we need to do is let's train a little bit more and that little bit more probably would be doing a bit more easy running, um, if that makes sense. So if you're, if you're right down at the bottom end, five, 10 minutes, an extra 20 to 30 minute run a week, actually that could just tip you over and get you to that nice balance, I suppose. Well, how
2: does um, how does like cross training fit in with this sort of 80-20? Because you know, strength and conditioning and all those sorts of things. Um, if someone uh, could have some of their... 80% as non-running activities, leaving sort of like the higher proportion for higher intensity in the 20%. Does that work? Or is it, is it, as you say, these adaptations that come with the easy running?
3: No, no. I mean, um, the adaptations that we're talking about here are primarily cardiovascular adaptations. So ha- adaptations around, um, or cardio sort of um, cardiovascular, cardiopulmonary kind of adaptations. It's about heart, lungs, blood, blood composition, blood flows, that sort of stuff and so that those adaptations will happen equally as well on a bike, cross trainer, in a pool, aqua jogging, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a debate to be had around, you know, 10 minutes of running versus 10 minutes of aqua jogging, you know, but I think we can get too focused on the details. Ultimately, you know, if you're mixing running and cross training, we can still take those similar principles and for some people it might be as you rightly say, well We do more of our easier work as cross-training, and then we do our quicker work running. So we do more of that 20% running and more of the 80% cross-training. For some people, it might be, though, that ultimately what you find gets you injured or niggled is each time you try to do a hard or a quick training session, in which case, maybe for you, that balance is the other way around. The thing that's going to get you fit, as we always say, and it's boring thing to say, but it's true, is just remaining injury-free and staying consistent over a long period of time. So how you cut that balance up is up to you. Of course, it's not just about cardiovascular stuff. There's also muscle, fibres, tendons, you know, um, what we call running economy so body, getting your body used to kind of your foot striking the ground and getting some reactive force. So you do have to run, obviously. And I would always recommend doing some quicker running and even if that's just doing some strides or something to just get your legs turning over and keep that kind of mechanical speed if you like going so still teaching your body to run quickly is important but they don't have to be huge big hard sessions necessarily um but cross training is right in a strength and conditioning a little bit different because the adaptations we're looking for from strength and conditioning are a little bit more focused on you know um building strength obviously um the soft tissue stuff, bone density, all that sort of stuff. Um, and a little bit, we're not going to get, you don't really get, you get a small cardiovascular response from it, but not so much. So the 80-20 stuff is more around the, the cardiovascular side of things. <coughs> um, um, uh, and those, ad- <coughs> those adaptations that happen when we actually kind of train aerobically.
2: Yeah, yeah. Cardio. No, so there's no squeezing the strength and conditioning into that 20%. it is. <laughs>
3: No, well, not unless you do it. No, not unless you're doing um, a decent amount of walking or running between each strength exercise. Which there are, there are some kind of, you know, you can do. Some of you may have done. Some listeners may have done things like Oregon circuits, where you kind of mix running and strength training. There are ways to kind of, I guess, be efficient with your time. Um, but even then, I think, yeah, no, it probably wouldn't. Unfortunately,
2: no, yeah, exactly. To, uh, oh well, a bit of extra time. <laughs> As everyone tries to always get out of the strength and conditioning. That's the. Uh, <laughs>
1: So, as far as as that twenty percent, this is our, our quality um area of running. And say, say we're still looking at that low mileage here. Um, I always think of the quality sessions. Essentially, there is sort of three of them that are the big ones, which are like hills, tempo, threshold running. Um, if you were kind of down to actually being able to do, only do one quality session a week, would you always say to people, right? You, you probably. Drop the intervals or drop the hills. Do the threshold or how is it? If you if you had to sort of cut it up or is it impossible to say it's too individualised?
3: Again, again, it's. It, I would say it's more about where you sit within a training cycle and what event you're training for. So let's say, let's say I'm training for eight hundred meters. And I'm going to pick extreme examples here, but let's say I'm a runner training for eight hundred meters, and if I'm only doing one quality session a week, well, you know. Four months away from my goal race, I might be doing my threshold running, um, awesome hill work. Um, as I get closer, I'll be prioritising probably some harder and quicker interval training. When we say threshold, obviously, you're conscious of terminology. We all use different terminology. Um, there's a debate about even what threshold running means, but let's just say as a shorthand kind of way to think about it, think about it as a, a, you know, an intensity you might be able to hold for fifty to sixty minutes in a race, there or thereabouts um So there are some really good fitness adaptations that happen there, and that that happens right on that probably border between bucket two and bucket three, if you like. That's our that's one of our thresholds that sit between the two. um So you, if you go too long with those threshold sessions, and and you make them, we we do too much volume there. We're going to end up, your body's going to end up right in that kind of bucket two. So we're not we're then not kind of fulfilling the principles of of our sort of eighty twenty approach, I suppose. So I've got to be with your threshold sessions, you do need to be reasonably, if you are going to follow this kind of 80 to 20 principle, you need to be reasonably aware of your exercise intensity. Are you actually working hard enough or actually are you just doing more like steady running in the middle? Um, but as you get close to the race, obviously, if you're doing something quick like an 800 meter race, you're going, to, you're going to want to start to take that one session a week and make it more specific to the race you're training for. So you are going to probably transition from doing threshold Type running down to more like 5k to 10k pace running and then you get a little bit closer you're probably going to be doing a bit more in that th- 1500 meter 3k um, 5k area and then a smattering of 800 meter pace running as well obviously um obviously it flips around the other way if you're training for something like a half marathon marathon you know we might start off a ways out from race just doing things like strides or very short hills where we're developing power um and then you probably find if you're looking at time or volume you're probably doing less than 20% intensity just because the efforts are so short but they're high intensity and then as we get closer to our race where those efforts lengthen out they become more like you know, 5k, 10k type running longer, longer, perhaps interval sessions and then we get closer to the race day you might be doing more threshold running and the and like um, so I think it's more it depends on what you're training for and it will change over time the key is more specific towards your goal race pace as you get closer to your race fundamentally um to use that one ultimately it's a 80 20 on three to four runs a week you have you have to kind of make that quality count i suppose so you need to just be aware of what are your areas for development what are you missing um you don't necessarily need to get in a lab to do that or speak to a sports scientist to do it. it can be useful but just have to think about it like you know, where do you need to challenge yourself perhaps a little bit differently in order to move your fitness along and use that time wisely? Um, but don't don't you know don't obviously recognise that the rest of your running, the easy and cross-training, the easy stuff, the 80%, that's where you're going to be getting probably the majority of your fitness gains, or at least a large portion of them. So um, you know, get it right, but don't panic about <laughs> whether it's, you know, should I be going at five K pace or kind of a little bit quicker, a little bit slower? You can get too caught in a minutiae sometimes
0: this is the runner's
2: world podcast i, swear, I find it's fascinating because um you mentioned Stephen sellier and i think at one point he was asked if you could train only two times a week what would that look like and his response would it would probably end up combining some high intensity and low intensity work in both sessions so what do you think of, so in terms of that sort of focus on mixed pace sessions for low mileage, is that kind of a better way of doing it?
3: Yeah, and that that's that's really important um, and, and probably um, practically something which is going to be, ultimately anybody wanting to follow these principles on low mileage is probably going to have to do that, particularly if they're only training two to three times a week. Um, so rather than thinking about, well, I've got these four or say two or three instances of training in my week and one of those instances needs to be hard and the other two need to be think about it more about what we're actually trying to do with our body and the percentage of time spent at these different intensities now if you're going to go and do a long run for example let's say you're going to go and do 75 minutes you can you could do something like 45 minutes easy and then the last 30 so 45 minutes in your kind of eighty percent area that that first um effort level, and then in the last thirty minutes, do something like four by five five by five minutes of effort at threshold so the, the up towards the bottom end of that third effort um you know that doesn't doesn't take that doesn't mean that whole run suddenly becomes a hard run obviously decent percentage of it more than half of it time-wise was spent actually in the 80% area um so I'd, I would start to think about it more in terms of okay my overall minutes per week they say and of course your body doesn't even work on weeks you know it's just how we do things as human beings but it's, it's a useful reference point because that's how we kind of order our lives sometimes so think about your minutes of exercise per week and and how those minutes cut up then it that, I think if you're doing loads and loads of running, this you know you can start to think about more what session, what's the focus of each session? Is it an easy session? Is it a hard session? When you're only training a little bit, you kind of got to get a little bit more like well, overall my percentage of my week I've done this, and and you obviously technology now watches do that for you. You probably notice if you're using a Garmin or a Polar or whatever. As soon as you finish your run, it will give you that breakdown of time spent in different training zones. So you know the maths is done for you a little bit, provided you've you've tapped into a, you know your your accurate on your heart rates and you know your, your your device is working as it should do. You've got a bit of support to help work that out. Um, so yes, mixed pace sessions would be logical. So then effectively, you're not doing rather than doing. I've got an easy run, I've got a hard run tomorrow, then maybe I've got another easy run or another two days of easy running. It becomes every session is blended, and within each session, you're looking at that 80 to 20 split, if you like. Um, Yeah, interesting debates, and there's lots of different ways we can do it, but that's what I mean about, like, go back to first principles. What is this trying to get me to do? This is trying to get me to break out of the mould of just doing everything in the middle because that's where we tend to like to sit um we move along our ego gets satisfied a little bit because we've been running kind of hard but not really hard enough to get a huge stimulus um but not really easy enough to get the kind of benefit so that that can accrue from from going genuinely easy so it's what it's trying to do is, is still as clear as that middle bit so however you do it just keep going back okay what what is the purpose of what i'm doing you know I've got this run today, how am I going to break it down and why am I de- breaking it down like that? I
1: know this is this is thought of as an, as an endurance model and I think certainly for sort of half marathons and marathons it, it sort of instinctively makes a lot of sense. What about something like park run, 5K? D- does an 80-20 split, roughly speaking, still hold, Tom? Or should actually people be thinking about a bigger proportion being to kind of quality harder running if you're if, you, if you really sort of concentrating on 5K or something no, like that? I-
3: And I I have to, I don't, I don't, with my coaching, I don't follow 80 to 20 principles particularly. But if I were to drill into the training plans of the athletes I coach, I bet it would fall broadly in those areas. Maybe, maybe maybe there would be a little bit, particularly for some of the marathon runners and stuff, maybe there would be a little bit more in that middle area. Um, and, And it wouldn't be quite, and it definitely wouldn't be, as clearly defined as this and then this and then nothing here it's just not like that um but but i would say for if anything for a 5k athlete you possibly even more focused on the polarization of training um so you know okay i understand what you're saying like maybe we're still steering clear of that middle bracket but do you do 30 percent and 70 say I honestly, this is my gut and I I kind of, you know, I'm sure if you got Stephen or Matt on, they would disagree with me and that's fine. This is kind of healthy debate. Um, I personally don't think, I don't think anything dramatically different is going to happen if you're doing 25, 30%. You know a little bit harder some athletes just respond to that so I've got some athletes 5k athletes say who do who like to have a split and respond really well to a split of doing a harder day an easy day a harder day an easy day and they probably do end up doing a little bit of a higher percentage of quicker and 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 higher intensity running and um, some still really need that two or three days easy one day hard two or three days easy one day hard Um, but fundamentally the, the energy systems we're using to compete well at 5k, the majority, ultimately, to be a good 5k runner, 80% of the fitness you're going to need, 80-90% of the fitness you need, is similar to that of a marathon runner. We're still completely reliant, or is so dominated by our aerobic fitness, that there's not a massive difference, particularly. How we use the 20% is more relevant. So what do those hard sessions look like? So, yes, then maybe I'm not doing... I would be doing a little bit of threshold and tempo running, but I'd definitely be wanting to do some quick running too, some 3K, say, some 5K stuff. So I'd say it's less about the 80-20 split. I'll probably keep that. In fact, I might even be even more conscious of how slow my easy running is because I want to arrive at my sessions and my races ready to run quick. And if I'm too fatigued from doing too much in that middle bucket, then it's going to impact upon my sessions and then I don't get to run quickly enough to perform well over 5k. So in a weird way, no, as I'm talking through it, I say no, it probably doesn't affect that 80-20 split. And if anything, it reinforces the importance to really keep your 80% pretty easy. We polarise things even more. The only thing that changes is how we use the 20%, I suppose.
2: Have you seen any sort of real downsides to this approach? I mean, because it's sort of, you know, anything with the polarizes training is it one of those ones that just doesn't work for some people and that's fine or is it actually that it can be people adhere to it far too strictly and that can be the
3: yeah yeah um, so either individual the individual stuff that we've already talked about and I don't try and look at the papers but they're not difficult to find it was actually early on this year um, the, the on the academic side two sort of it was set up like two competing papers, if you like, um, were released. Um, Professor Andy Jones, who uh, was Paul Radcliffe's physiologist, physiologist on the Breaking Two project, um, Dr. Mark Burnley, and a few other um, academics who who are actually not opposed to polarized training in principle as such, but they were they were um, basically saying. In reality, that's not how people train. They don't train in this kind of this and this, you know. And so this this kind of really kind of polarized approach. So the reality of training, something else is going on. Um, then, and then there was a counterpoint paper written by 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 um, Siler and uh, um, uh, and a, and a couple of other academics whose names escape me, but we'll find the papers. Google it, have a little look, um, and they're worth reading. They're, they're, they're well-written if you're not into the academic stuff. They're well-written to understand, and it's important to mention because even on the re- in the area where there's a lot of research done, there were big debates in this area, like does polarised training work or doesn't it work? Should we be doing actually more in that middle area, not less? Um, so the, the, the debates are out, and absolutely, there are, for some athletes, they will go backwards following an 80-20 80-20 approach. I, I would say there are definitely some athletes I coach who, who I've tried it with and it hasn't worked. Um and I and I would definitely say let's let's say let's just take an example of say a three-hour, three-hour thirty marathon runner, and it's sort of the example I gave earlier on in this interview. Um if we're following an 80-20 approach, where's the room to go and run marathon pace if you're that athlete? Because Ultimately, if we're going, if we want to get confidence running at race pace and confidence in your ability to run at race pace, yes, there is a lot of physiological things that need to happen. We do need to be really good at running aerobically, burning stored fats, you know, able to fuel on the run, and to be generally fit and have good endurance. Um, But ultimately, there's a big element of confidence. And most of the athletes I coach with a marathon, a lot of them will draw their self-efficacy, their confidence, from having done some running at race pace. And so for those athletes, if we're really strictly following an 80-20 rule, they don't get to do the thing that helps them build confidence for some of them. So then I I really think there's a judgment call. Um, And and for me, there's a very good reason why a lot of our best, say, marathon runners, and even if you're a sort of two-hour two and a half hour marathon runner um really that marathon pace it sits in the middle it doesn't sit in that hard area feels hard um but it it doesn't physiologically speaking it it is still below what we might call lactate turn point or maximum lactate steady state It, it, it it's a kind of um it sits in that middle area and so if it's that bad how come they're doing so well off doing stuff in the middle. So you've got to, it's, unfortunately, like one of those things, and it's, this is where I'm probably always an annoying person to speak to on this, is that, you know, as much as we would love hard and fast rules in um, in sports, they very rarely exist. And it is, I think it's really important to have awareness of the principles and there are these debates that go on, look at kind of threshold models of training compared to polarised models of training or what we call um, sort of pyramidal models of training kind of the words out today um, essentially where we do a lot easy a little bit less in the middle zone and a little bit less in the hard zone you know there are there are there are different models of training that have, athletes have successfully used to to achieve the results the important thing is to you to understand yourself um and i would say most people and kind of one of the basic rules of fitness really is that we, our bodies are very adaptable so they adapt to the, to the work that we throw at it and so one of the i'd say one of the reasons why polarized training can be quite useful for some runners no matter whether you're running two or three times a week or you know 15 times a week if you're doing very high mileage is that you your body gets used to the training you've done so if you've been doing a lot in that kind of comfortably hard area in the middle or just steady area in the middle, even just a change of kind of going, well, actually I'm going to slow some of it down and speed some of it up. Sometimes that's enough to kind of get, get, get that different stress, that different, that, you know, to trigger a different adaptation. So sometimes it's just about doing something different to what you're used to doing. Um, uh, and and vice versa so don't get caught up with it just under i think just understand it and understand the benefits that it can bring and i would definitely say for a high percentage of runners it's something they should consider looking at because they, they, they get stuck in a rut in the middle you know um but um maybe for elite athletes particularly ones training over longer distances i think it is a there's more debates to be had it's important to understand those debates
1: Tom, so, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast and talking to us about 80-20. It's, it's a fascinating subject. We know it's something that, yeah, a lot of people Google and a lot of people kind of want to know about, particularly at low mileage. So thanks very much for your time. And, uh, yeah, hopefully have you back on some point soon. Yeah, go, I mean, you know, give it a few
3: months so you don't have to hear me rambling. <laughs> don't worry. 50- the, um, <laughs> no, time. it's great. You
2: know, in a couple of months, time there'll be the 50-50 approach and uh, we'll get you into, we'll get you into yeah. talk about that. <laughs>
1: Be yeah. absolutely right we just need the, the kind of mush in the middle approach and then yeah. i'll be
2: an yeah. perfect thanks a lot
1: so that brings us to the end of this week's runners world podcast a huge thanks to our guest tom craggs and to you of course for listening
2: you can subscribe to this podcast which i hope you already do um and if not you should do that right now just wherever you're listening click subscribe and then you won't miss a single episode every single week it comes out Uh, and it's full of goodness, just like what you've listened to. Um, You can subscribe to the Runners World magazine. That's Runners World UK subscription. If you Google that, you'll find uh, where to get the magazine arriving at your house every month, month, and uh, runnersworld.com slash UK for all your internet-based running needs. And that is it, and you will hear from us next week.